In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to the show um, of Voice of Islam. Um, we are currently um, with the Drive Time Show, which we will be presenting from 4 till 6 o'clock. Myself, Zakaria. And today we will be looking at very two very interesting topics. For those who are familiar to our show, they know um, that we split the two hours into different two different seg- segments or two different topics. And um, and both of the topics today will be um, related to the upbringing of children or uh, directly to the the, the, the well-being uh, for the children. So um, in the first hour, we will be discussing about uh, gambling, how gambling affects uh, our children. And in the second hour, we will be discussing about um, parenting, um, how abusive language uh, can have, uh, impact the childhood of uh, of 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 our children, uh, how that could you know affect their future as well. So that is for of course uh, next hour, but in this hour we will uh, you know focus on gambling, and especially how children are affected by um, you know the advertisement and uh, you know gamblers. Um, especially advertisement that you know children see um on the media on 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 the streets on TVs etc etc so you know slowly slowly you know they also get the harmful message of gambling which is extremely harmful not just for adults but also for children um a lot of you know the things has changed since uh, technology indulged in our world um, youth gambling has been a growing concern in the UK and several factors have contributed to its rise. Um, gambling advertisements most commonly were shown either during the late night television hours or in newspapers. Uh, but now they you know, appear literally everywhere, you know, in our apps, games, social media platforms. Um, you know, literally when you step you know, step out from your house you'll see on the on the dashboards on 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 the um, on the on the advertising boards and everywhere you'll see some sort of you know advertisement um about gambling and research shows that children are more likely to gamble in later life due to the constant uh, the constant stream of ad- advertisement uh, especially during uh, the, the pandemic that we are going through um, and it is vital to protect our children from such harm and, and risk uh, why is it harmful uh, everyone knows the harms of gambling it's uh, you know people might be desperate for money um, and and uh, you can say easy money or it's it's a game that they you know seems to be just a game but you know, you could go in loss, and in so much so um, that you know it it could affect your entire life. 
You could be, you know, fr- from being, uh, let's say, having a house and everything, you could lose everything, all the wealth, and it could give you a sudden shock. And some people even commit suicide because of gambling. And the Holy Quran actually, you know, speaks against gambling, and it says that it is a work of Satan. Um, in the Holy Quran, in chapter 24, verse 22, Allah Almighty states, O ye who believe, follow not the footsteps of Satan. And whoso follows the footsteps of Satan should know that he surely enjoins immorality and manifests evil. And but for the grace of Allah and his mercy upon you, not one of you would ever be pure. But Allah purifies who he pleases. And Allah is all hearing, all knowing. So from this, we learn that, you know, that there are a lot of things that is harmful for us, um, which is prohibited for, uh, you know, believers to use or to consume or to do. But from this verse and the the words of God Almighty, you can learn that um, gambling is not just a bad thing, but a, um, a, a work of Satan. It's an evil deed. It leads you to, you know, so many other evils in the world. So it's very, very effect. It's very, very um, harmful for humans overall. So, you know, as I mentioned before, gambling adds, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it has a huge effect on the children. The gambling industry glorifies the concept of gambling through the use of advertisement and gambling has become a part in children's everyday life. Uh, Gambling companies often use aggressive marketing and advertisement strategies which can be, you know, uh, disproportionately, you know, especially targeting the young people through social media, um, through sports, events, uh, television, etc., etc., and these advertisements can normalize and glamorize uh, the world of gambling, uh, making it more uh, appealing to the youth. Uh, and it is definitely very appealing when you look at uh, gambling advertisements, um, uh, and and uh, it's it's very colorful. And anything that you know anyone wants to advertise and which will make them more money, you know they will put a lot of effort. For the advertisement, um, brother um, Nasherwan, um, and I also have been joined with uh, brother Nasherwan. You know, um, I've just said that we will be discussing, and now we are discussing the topic of gambling, uh, not just gambling, uh, but especially how this affects the youth. Um, so what is your thought on on this and why do you think it is necessary for us to discuss the the issue of gambling? Assalamu alaikum Zakaria. Um, I think it's an honour once again to be part of a discussion on the Drive Time show. And yeah, like you mentioned rightly so, that gambling, um, it's a huge problem, especially for, for the kids um, because of the effects it has on kids. Yeah. And the way it's designed is to um, get children into um, this and because of you mentioned how colorful it is and and how these companies advertise the whole propaganda of like gambling and um, 
it's just uh, it becomes you might start off by saying a child might start off by saying it's not addiction um but then it eventually develops into addiction yeah um let's say if you have a bad consequences of gambling from right at the beginning mm-hmm. you lose some money right yeah. that might be your wake up call stop that's it finished um not going to continue yeah. but let's say you end up winning mm. and then you want to win more and in in pursuit of earning more or making more money you end up down the line losing and going into like negative and uh, the way the way what well, you sometimes come across advertisements on um videos etc or on social media it's the way they advertise the whole gambling scheme they'll be like um we'll give you free 10 pounds to gamble start the gambling you'll give you free 10 pounds free 5 pounds or um so and so and then someone thinks okay let me just use that amount of money first mm-hmm. if i win then i can see whether i need to continue that's a start yeah. right and that is the root cause like how you end up starting and then you just delve into um deeper losses etc yeah and of course true. there's a research study by the gamble away in march 2018 um, which was conducted by ipsos uh, mori and the institute for social marketing at the university of sterling found that the exposure to gambling advertisements is highly linked to how likely an individual is to gamble in later life so mm-hmm. obviously if it starts young it how likely it might be that they may continue um when they grow older yep a child who has close friends or relatives that gamble is six times more likely to be a gambler himself and that's of course because if they see um the older their parent or their their cousin or whoever it may be from their family members mm-hmm. um see they're gambling and um it's part of like let's say their life or so um he might also follow in those footsteps because yeah. a child does learn from um his olders yep Uh the f- the research study also uh, showed that an estimate of 41,000 users on social media platforms who follow gambling related accounts were likely to be under the age of 16. Wow. 6% of users who follow actual gambling accounts were children and uh, with that stat 70% of children follow e-sport gambling accounts. So mm-hmm. e-sport is a big um organization of, of which is related to gaming. Yeah. Um researchers concluded that the rise of new forms of gambling marketing through social media have increased the ways in which children, young people and also vulnerable adults can engage with gambling albeit often innocently to establish brand loyalty. Mm. It just goes on like obviously there are studies done which show the the negative effects of gambling how children are becoming more involved in it because of social media etc. Yeah. Certainly. Um So we also have a, a guest with us um uh, Sian McClair Dyer who is a um a early uh, intervention and education lead with BCT uh, Beacon Counseling Trust and also works for the Young People's Gambling Harms Prevention Program. Uh, Assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and welcome to the Drive Time Hi, Show. Yes. Hi yes. Hi, thank you very much for joining us today. Um Sian, um can you provide uh, the insight into the factors contributing to the rise in youth gambling, uh, particularly in the recent years? <clears throat> yeah, so we 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 see a, a lot of rise net as well and how quickly the online world developed really. So most people have got access to the smartphone. 
Um, and you know, when we're out training and stuff, we say having a smartphone, it's like having, you know, a casino in your, in your pocket 24 mm. hours a day. So, mm. um, you know, we've got previous studies show 55,000 young people aged 11 to 16 year old are classified as harmful gamblers and a fair bit 87 at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, social media, young people, TikTok especially, young people are engaging in gambling activities. There's, there's influencers on there and young people are watching them scratch off cards and, you know, this is an influencer on TikTok. Mm. Yeah, and you know what are the, the, the some of the common signs or behaviors that uh, indicate a young person uh, maybe well, devo- uh, you know developing a gambling yeah. problem I mean, it's not always yeah. easy for the parents to catch if they're involved in this in something like this or not but no uh, no so you know we we call gambling the, the hidden addiction um if, you know it, it doesn't it doesn't present in the same ways it doesn't present in the same ways that um other addictions um related so um but we we can find that some of the um like the characteristics of becoming withdrawn or you know isolating themselves not wanting to go out the room staying on the computers and stuff um change appearance or kept mood swings and always a big sign secretive about the phone not wanting anyone to go on the phone or you know not having any money but not reason why they haven't got any money mm-hmm. um you know, we've got studies. Studies show we find that a lot of young people as well. They're not just gamblers, but what we would call an affected other. They're affected by one of the a loved ones gambling. Um, and we've got studies that suggest 160,000 young people are admitting to losing sleep over loved ones gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's high in relation to like affected others as well. Right. Now, are there specific demographic or socioeconomic groups that are more vulnerable to youth gambling issues? Well, we see, um, obviously, males have a higher prevalence of harms, but we are seeing females catch off. Um, you know, those living in the private or socioeconomic areas are more likely to gamble in a way of changing, you know, that change yeah. in the life, the hope, the hope of winning. Um, you know, culturally and linguistically, linguistic, their communities and um, so we have a program I see called Breaking the Sharon and um, so we see a higher prevalence, uh, prevalence of harm in South Asian communities if you come forward with having um, you know um, gambling related harms because of the shame um, and they feel like they can't go and speak to anyone they are experiencing harm we do find that higher the risk higher yeah um, yeah but um we find it difficult to become but we do now like having spoke to faith leaders and stuff that they are willing and open and want people to come forward and speak about it yeah and you you know you uh, mentioned earlier that how um, online and social through social media um these youngsters they're watching um influencers obviously gambling online or doing um, some sort of scratch off cards etc so what role does technology and online gambling play in the increased prevalence of youth gambling massive really so again it's just the exposure of it so young people are bombarded on social media tv with adverts especially aimed at their groups we know one of the um one of the big betting sites they've got a huge young people following because they use humor for the adverts and you know young people are like then we know that young people are following so the likelihood of them are then creating an account with these 
with these people is huge. Um, they want to, you know, young people want to want to copy the influencers. They want to be doing what the influencers doing. So they're, in, they're massive on how young people turn out. And peer pressure as well, you know, if the friends doing it and stuff, they want to do it. And just lastly, um, Sian, could you share information on effective uh, strategies or some sort of interventions for preventing youth gambling problems? Yeah, of course. So, as you can, um, you know, say prevention and education is that that's the main thing. If we get if we get out there and you know show show the people and train them on um, noticing gambling related harms and how to deal with it and how, where to signpost them to, then we will see you know a lack of it. Um, yes, yeah, so we aim to arm young people with all the facts, teach them the ways that they can st- they can still play but stay safe at the same time. So our company, we we work all over the northwest, um, right. but we work in collaboration with Gamcare, and that, that this is all over the country. And we offer free education and training programs across um, the whole of the country, but obviously Beacon, we do it for the northwest for young people, professionals, and parents. We talk to schools, youth centres, etc. Um, you know, just giving our training. For um, anyone who does want to look for information, if you're a parent or, you know, you just want to know more about it, there's the English Gambling Education Hub. Um, if you go onto that, there's loads of free information, um, free training on that, and also the Big Deal website. Uh, thank you very much, Sian, for joining us today and uh, sharing your ex- expertise um, on this topic. Thank you once again. That's okay. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So this was um, Sian McClear Dyer, um, who um, you know is an expert in this this field. Um, yeah, it was really nice talking to her and uh, getting the inside of of gambling with with youth. Uh, now, if you look at uh, you know TV advertisement, uh, you know TV is also considered is actually. Uh, one of the most common source by which children are exposed to gambling and I was uh, you know you can say that TV is one of the first uh, advertisement we used to get even before the phone was even you know we we had the smartphones isn't it Um, it is recorded that 85% um, of 11 to 24 years um, have reported seeing gambling promotions on the TV and 70% of children noticed gambling ads on betting shops. Um, 66% of children were exposed to gambling promotions um, such as video ads social media, um, on social media platforms. So it's, it's surprising that um, it, you know, it's less to see, lesser to see on social media platforms than on on TVs, so um, I think um, just because we're seeing a more development and more increased number of people that are on the social media, yeah, I think that number maybe can rise because I think mm-hmm. um, we're going through through this trend that maybe TV, your what kids at home they're watching TV maybe less than um, than they were before, oh, let's yes, say d- decade true. ago mm-hmm. or so mm-hmm. before uh, the rise of uh, the social media platforms. Mm-hmm. So maybe now kids would be seeing. Um, more of these gambling adverts on their social media mm-hmm. um, but of, of course uh, you know when you're commonly when you're watching a um, a football game on tv it's it's um it's bound to happen that you'll see a betting ad yeah. uh, in between um, mm. either start of the program and in the middle or towards the end yeah um and because you know they know that it's a huge market and and there's a lot of audience 
that are watching um, the football matches and a lot of a lot of kids and a lot of young adults um, and they are aiming at like towards them. Hmm. It is, yeah. I mean, uh, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizar Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, um, you know, said in one of his books, uh, this book is called Invitation to Ahmadiyyat, that it has been reported by Hazrat Ali, um, you know, the fourth caliph of after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, and 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 recorded by Delmi uh, that one of the signs of Doomsday Eve is excessive gambling as a sport. In every walk of life, gambling has a place. People of all classes, poor and uh, and well as as rich, indulge in it, and they do so not occasionally but almost daily. So widespread is the evil of gambling that is impossible to conceive of modern civilizations without it. True gambling existed even in the past, but there is no comparison between then and now. Perhaps a year of gambling in the past would be little compared with a day's gambling, uh, you know, with a day's gambling today. Uh, you know, it is a fact that gambling is so common that, uh, you know, you could literally find everywhere um, you know, everywhere, even in your houses, <coughs> through the social media, through your smartphones. Yeah, um, we, um, when you step outside as well, it's you find quite right. Everywhere, um, yeah, it's quite right how um, the second caliph of the Amdi Muslim community has mentioned, like how it, before, um, yeah. let's say, f- 40, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. or even let's say two decades ago, yeah. you would see um, more betting shops. Yeah. Um, if you walk down the road, you're bound to see one or two betting shops. Yeah. Um, but now um, you still do see them, but now it's gone on to online, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's so many betting websites, right? And um, it's not even you have to go into the, the shop anymore. Mm-hmm. Before you would have to, yeah. if you want to do carry out your activities. But now it's online. You can just do it online through your bank accounts, through whatever means you have, mm. and it's just become so excessive uh, and available to everyone. Um, I'm not sure whether they ask for some sort of ID. Uh, online, but I'm I'm sure it must be restricted to over 18s or so. Yeah. Um, but the, the fact that is it's increased um, because of uh, our platform of internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you know, even if they ask for an ID, right? But in in children, you still give them like a, um, you know, they're always curious of something which is prohibited, okay, or yeah. something which is not allowed, right? If if they keep on seeing these advertisements, you know, when they reach 18 or when they have the, let's say, a facility to make an account through someone else, right, who's, you know, 18, they will eventually, you know, get into, um, you know, gambling at the end because it's, you know, there is always an advertisement. So this advertisement that children from a very young age, uh, you know, see, right yep. it makes them curious and it, it then uh, you know if they see people doing it around you know uh around them and if there's no one to stop them actually or tell them the harms of it then you know they will end up in doing this and yep. but islam on the other hand actually from day one of the holy quran this is uh, considered to be a work of satan right yeah. you know 
when you look at, uh, for example, um, you know, uh, eating pork, okay, that's also something which is prohibited by God Almighty, but it's not a work of Satan. A, a pork is just an animal, right? So uh, you know it's not a Satan itself. But when you, when Allah Taala is addressing gambling, Allah Taala is a God Almighty says that it, it, this is a work of Satan. This will lead you so many evils that you cannot imagine. Yeah. So <clears throat> therefore, you know, when uh, the, the parents they give a good upbringing to the children, um, and they give the right teachings, uh, the, the, the the correct teaching of Islam to them, uh, you'll see that, you know, they will not, never, you know, get into it, yeah. uh, into gambling because this is considered not just a sin, but a, a, a work of Satan. Uh, but, you know, Islam, of course, is not a religion for Muslims or for the Arabs. It is a religion for the whole mankind, right? So we can learn from the words of Allah uh, that you know, God Almighty, whenever He prohibi- prohibits something, it is for the betterment of, you know, for, for, for the whole mankind. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, to moving on, just to address the issue of youth gambling, you yep. know, various stakeholders, governments, agencies, educators, parents, and, you know, the gambling industry itself, they need to work together yep. to implement strategies such as, like, strict age verification process, like we mentioned earlier. Yep. I'm not sure whether they... But I'm sure they can uh, actually practice stricter age verification process, uh, responsible advertise- advertisement, and comprehensive educational programs on the risks associated with gambling. Mm. And additionally, stronger regulator measures and policies may be necessary to protect vulnerable populations, including the youth, from the the, the adverse effects of gambling. Because obviously, we know we know the negative effects. We'll we'll move on to. What are the harms and effects? Yep. But it's just that all these organizations and parents as well as the uh, gambling um, industry itself, um, they know themselves what the harms and risks are of promoting it and and having the youth being involved in it. So they need to work together to eliminate um, having more youth join this industry. Hmm. Because um, some children, obviously, they are not as there's not they're not as mature, or they are they do not know what they're getting into. Yep. Um, and they just do it just because, like one of um, our guests, uh, like our caller, uh, guest sorry, uh, mentioned how kids um, do it because they see their friend doing it. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just being influenced by others, mm. and they would not know the harmful consequences of it. That's true. Um, so I think. Um, like I mentioned, that it should be um, the whole organisations and parents, etc., working together mm-hmm. um, to see how they can come up with the solution and how it can be um, better dealt with in the future. Yep, definitely. Um, we have uh, our next guest, Liz Carter, who's a leading UK therapist in gambling addiction, author and a consultant as well. Um, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Oh, thank you for that lovely welcome. It's really lovely to be back. I haven't been here with you for some time, so it's a real pleasure. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure for having you on today. Um, as you know, we are discussing about gambling, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a massive problem into our society. Yeah. Um, 
and especially we are focusing on how children get involved in gambling from a very young age because of the advertisements we get. Um, so w- what are the key factors that make youth more susceptible to developing gambling problems uh, uh, compared to adults? It's a good question. And uh, before you introduced me, I you talking about how it's addressed it in a very holistic way. I find that a very encouraging perspective because certainly for myself, I think we can't look at gambling addiction or any addiction without taking into consideration the, the social context, the mental health context. So when I see young people, they tend to have fallen into problems with gambling by cutting down one of two cards. Um, in in simple terms. So I'd like to look at one path of excitement and another path of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And excitement and anxiety actually have very little to choose between them in terms of what they do to us biologically. They they fill us up with adrenaline. I think that's one important factor to consider. Mm -hmm. And when we're either excited or anxious and full of adrenaline, I think none of us make the best considered decisions. We have very much more instincts. Mm -hmm. If first of of excitement, we can sometimes find is that a young person, for example, we could look at someone called Joe, imagine Joe as a, a male or female, they're leaving home. For the first time, they've maybe got access to money, so whether it's a university grant or they've gone into the workplace, suddenly there they are, they've got um, independence of income, they're feeling independent from parents, they maybe got access to credit, they're very excited about being able to make their own choices and all this freedom they have. And they perhaps haven't had the experience of gambling before. Often people tell me this, you know, mm. I have no idea. I really even thought about gambling. And when I met this group of people through work or maybe at university and put on a bet, again, on something that is exciting because it's fast moving, maybe like sports betting, for example, mm-hmm. and to have an early win is something often that these people will describe if they've gone in that path of excitement. So I had that early win. Yeah. And it was thrilling. You know, it gave me this huge high. And also that win can be connected to, to image, which can be very important to young people. Mm. So, you know, I, I felt like I was a winner myself. So I wanted more of that good feeling, more of the winning feeling. And so that and perpetuate a cycle of gambling. So someone is chasing not just the money. It's really important that we emphasize that. But it's also that experience of that high. Yeah. More excitement, more adrenaline. Hmm. Maybe, again, increasing their, their age, their status in the group. Then, of course, because it's gambling, sooner or later, they're hmm. going to encounter a loss. And compared to that, Feeling of elation, that high, the loss is experienced at real low. People tell me I felt gutted hmm. and I then felt like a loser. So 
there we go. There's that cycle of, of chasing. So chasing not only money that they back, but also high hmm. and that perceived status. Uh, can you also explain us the potential long-term sank- uh uh, consequences and harms of youth gambling, uh, including the psychological and, and the financial impacts? Absolutely. There is a very massive psychological impact, I think, if somebody starts to gamble when they're very young. One thing that immediately comes to mind is that when someone has an addiction, that essentially there is no development for that person during the time they are in the addiction because they are completely preoccupied with gambling. So their concerns are to get to gamble again for the feelings that they need, which I've described, or they're very concerned with how am I going to hide my tax? How am I going to cover my gambling? Going to get money back so that I can cover the fact that I owe this money. And so they, that is a total preoccupation. So the time that somebody should be spending in their young years, looking inwardly for one thing, you know, working out who they really are, what they want, what they need, mm-hmm. and also working on their relationship skills, you know, how to relate well with other people. All those things get lost. And so their self-development can be frozen. So, for example, sometimes I might see someone for the first time in my consulting room when they may be 40 years old. And if they started gambling when they were 18 or 20, they're in the body of a 40-year-old. Hmm. Maybe some of the responsibility of the 40-year-old you know, wife and family, but inwardly, there's still that 18-year-old person because there's been no time hmm. to, to develop themselves. And self-esteem is, is crushed. They're often struggling with high levels of uh, depression and stress and anxiety. And of course, the financial impact can be felt for years. And I swear it's very different to drugs and alcohol because, of course, drugs and alcohol can have a hugely devastating impact on someone. But by and large, provided that someone hasn't done physical damage to themselves once they get to grip with the addiction they can pick up their life again quite quickly yeah true somebody uh, maybe has thousands of pounds of gambling debt that will that will be there for years hmm. like a millstone around their neck that's true that's true and what are the common forms of gambling that uh, young people are engaging in and how do these uh, choices also mm. impact their risk level it's mm. a good question again So now, all young people that I see are gambling online. Now, very, very rare to see a young person who is gambling in the bookmakers or the casino. It does happen, but most gambling is now online. And of course, one of the biggest risk factors there is they just so easily hit. Somebody could be gambling at home in front of their parents, and their parents are not going to know. If the screen is hidden, then so is the gambling problem. People imagine that they're just you know, texting friends or they're surfing the internet and instead they think it's online. So 
the, the secrecy, the fact that it's so easily hidden, obviously, is a huge risk to the problem going on undetected for a long, long time. Uh, Liz, just, um, are there any notable trends or changes in youth gambling behaviours and preferences that you've observed in recent years? Mm. I have seen a, a few changes. Obviously, as I said, most gambling has gone online now. So in recent years, what I've noticed is that I'm seeing more young women than ever I've seen. Right. Because it is now easier for a, a young woman to gamble online, whereas before, most women of any age would have probably chosen not to go into a bookmaker's. Right. Yeah. It's a very male environment. It's like having equivalent going to a from women. You know, they feel out of place. Um, but suddenly, gambling products are accessible there online very easily to young women. And young women across all social backgrounds, too. So young, young women and young men, actually, who maybe wouldn't have encountered gambling before, uh, because they're from a more privileged background where it can easily occur, uh, they're now trying out gambling products too. So I've seen that there's been a big leap there. And another thing that I'm seeing actually, which I, I find is very sad, but not surprising, I'm seeing so many really quite young men, uh, by that I mean 22, 23, right. who are deeply into a gambling problem and the underlying reason for that is depression you know they're feeling very very depressed and the form of gambling that they choose is a way of of medicating that so that's really going back to that second part that i talked about at the beginning of um, the interview the path of anxiety where somebody maybe chooses a form of gambling that's kind of easy play repetitive something like slots maybe where it's just pressing buttons it's just pressing numbers but what we find is that it helps them to stop thinking their spiraling thoughts uh, that are maybe leading to that depressed state so it really is a form of self-medication yeah i think it's a, it's it is a worrying situation and how you've um, mentioned how it's been um it's a trend coming that females are actively taking part in this gambling um, and it's, yeah. it's increased. Um, carrying on, how does exposure to gambling advertisements and online promotions affect the gambling behaviours of uh, young individuals? Mm. Well, I think, um, of course, you know, young people are hugely influenced by people. If they're heroes, we, we all probably can remember that, can't we? When we were little, we'd see people on TV and we wished we could be like them. Yeah. So I think, you know, for young people, if they see uh, their sports heroes or, or anyone that they they kind of admire, it's much more likely that they're, they're going to be tempted to think that gambling behavior is okay if that person is connected to advertising. And I think, too, as people, we feel comfortable with the familiar. We feel reassured. So young people are growing up with gambling ads around them all the time. So it's part of the familiar. So I think it feels much easier to give it a go. 
because they're more comfortable with that idea. They've grown up with the idea of gambling around them all the time. And and another thing I think too is that so many of the gambling advertisements promote gambling as being great fun. Some of them are almost like cartoonish images, very playful. Yeah, it's okay. I think the call has just um, dropped. We'll um, perhaps try calling Liz again and see if we can get connected. Uh, but I think it's um, really um, great that we spoke to her on the show. And then some of the things that um, she shed light upon was um, interesting to hear. Um, the fact that um, I totally agree with what she mentioned, how uh, w- we as individuals or even young children as individuals, um, they look up to um, certain individuals as their role models yep. whether it be football stars or um a personnel who's great at speaking um these children do have role models um mostly um footballers and then also of course musicians and all these artists yeah and when they see um their so-called role model um taking part um in these gambling addictions or being part of it um then of course they are more inclined to also take part, yeah. which is bringing a negative effect into the society. Mm-hmm. Whereas we know as Muslims, we should have our role model as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, because he was here um, to guide us. He was guided by Allah the Almighty and he has taught us the way how we should live our lives. That's true. And I'm following on, of course, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. He has also given us guidance on how to live our lives and he should be our role model and of course after him the Khulafa, the caliphs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, and we shouldn't take all the other individuals whoever it may be someone who's also uh, might be really educated or um, can speak in a good way um, but they aren't our role models our role models should be only um, first and first and foremost the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and 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 appointed messengers and and people who were appointed or, or guided by God Almighty, right? So because, you know, in humans, uh, there are flaws, but with the teachings of God, there can't be any flaws. There's no yeah. flaws in that as well. So if you look at the teachings of any prophet or any saint, and especially, like you said, uh, our beloved prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, his time was a time when the teachings that he gave was and will and would have been implicated for the rest of the the world or rest of the time that mankind would exist so um, it's very important for us to not just for Muslims but you know overall for every human being uh, to those who want to learn no, it's not necessarily that you read a book or, or, want, or learn something or read an article for the sake of becoming such and such person, but for the sake of learning and for the sake of, uh, you know, getting the good from, from the things, uh, I would suggest to read the Holy Quran. And, and the Holy Quran, you know, guides us in a path that leads us to righteousness or to to success and and like we said we've mentioned few verses of the holy quran and one of the verses says that this is 
something which is harmful and this this is something which will lead you uh to destruction um <coughs> but yeah speaking on the harms and and effects of gambling um you know for many people gambling is harmful harmless um and they 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 would think that it is a fun yeah it is it could be a fun because you you know you play with money and uh, no know, one else is involved it's just no you and yourself and some money and yeah exactly. it seems like you're not harming anyone yeah. uh you're not creating any distress yeah. um it's just you're just having some fun and um, it actually started from the beginning of mankind ever existed you know the first uh sort of gambling things that they uh, you know uh found was with bones so from the stone ages they then you know people <laughs> used to gamble right and then slowly slowly then you know became a habit of every society every age to to you know get involved in gambling but yeah it's it is it is some sort of fun but a harmful fun um in in some cases it can become a um you know it's 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 a huge problem um and 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 this whole problem is gambling uh gambling is you know one of the most uh, insidious of human vices as as it presents the illusion of easy money um and the the easy money any anywhere if you want to get easy money there will be a, some sort of financial ruin as well you know people when they think it's easy money let's try it out you know on the internet as well everywhere there is advertisement you'll see of easy money uh many youtubers or social media influencers uh you know they 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 promote their business right and they think it's easy because it's it's shown as of it's easy yeah. but there is always a, a downfall to it as well there is always a harm a harmful effect of you know gaining something with ease so if you want to um you know have money or gain money you should you know uh, think about it and you know work hard for that sort of money you will be happy of that as well what is you know have you know for a child as well for example when you give a child whenever the child asks you something or from the 10 times you give 8 times whatever they ask right you know after a while you'll see that that child will be ungrateful anything that you give will be ungrateful because they would think that it's easy to get and whenever i want it i can get it right but whereas if you have a child and you give from the 10 times you only give twice and you deny whatever they ask uh eight times right then every single thing that they will you know get they will be you know grateful for it and they know that something which is necessary you know i will only ask for that right so similarly with uh, with gambling as well right you know when you see that uh, when when you teach your children that gambling is some sort of work of satan and it's not something you should look up for or you shouldn't even get into it because you know it's something that doesn't guarantee if you would have the money or not it will harm you more than you think it will it will benefit you um so in other words gambling is 
something which is very, very dangerous. And when it becomes an addiction, then it's very difficult for you to get rid of it. You know, I remember um, me having regret of giving someone uh, money on the street. You know, there was someone was asking for money, right? And asking constantly. And it's I said, the first okay. time I've uh, heard someone regretting <laughs> Actually, someone giving money. Yes, the reason, I'll tell you the reason behind it. So I, uh, well, you know, if someone asks for money and they, 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 they go to the grocery shop and they, they buy anything they want, okay, that's fine for me. But this person, you know, was asking constantly and I gave him, uh, you know, some money and in few seconds, I didn't even see the, the betting shop next to it. <laughs> I saw the guy walking into the betting shop. <laughs> that, that makes sense then to have that regret. So I um, had the regret that I, you know, maybe um, I yeah, helped so him to continue with his addiction. So this is what addiction leads you to, right? Yeah. So rather than taking that money, I'm guessing it was a, a homeless person, a person that is in need. Probably, um, yeah. And instead of taking that money and using it for his advantage of um, getting some food or uh, getting water or some sort of drink for himself, yeah. he decided to take that money to a betting shop and use it for his to fulfill his addiction. Yeah. Obviously, the the list goes on of uh, the effects and harms. Uh, even our um, guest, uh, Liz, spoke about how it's also affecting um, young adults uh, in regards to depression, anxiety. Um, they're turning towards it and that's what it's leading to. But of course, we sh- uh, need to discuss um, what Islam teaches and um, how the teach- what are the teachings of Islam in regards to um, these acts. So in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states that they ask thee concerning liquor and gambling. Tell them there is great harm in both and also some benefits for people, but their harm is greater than their benefit. And they also ask thee what shall they spend. Tell them whatever is spare. Thus does Allah make his commandments clear to you that you may reflect. This is from chapter 2 verse 222. Mm -hmm. We have spoken about this before that Look, it's an act of Satan yep. and you may see in the short run that it has some sort of benefits. Um, gambling may have some benefits, but Quran, the Holy Quran is very clear yep. that although it may have some benefits, but its harmful effects are much greater than its benefits. And even Liz, she mentioned how you might see short term uh, benefits, but long run, your financial um, pain that you might suffer your uh, psychological pain that you might suffer, uh, you might be in debt, you might be um, in such a state of your life, all because of this addiction or because of this um, gambling problem. Mm-hmm. So you you can balance out the the you can weigh in what the benefits are and what the uh, the not benefits are. So what what harm it has, mm-hmm. and you will see that uh, the scale would obviously drop on the the, the harms. Hmm. And that is what Islam teaches us. Islam has strictly forbidden any habit of addiction such as alcohol, drugs and gambling. Certainly. The fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community also, you know, guides us in regards to this, you know, evil deed or this harmful addiction. And he says that it's important to erect defenses against Satan in our homes that not only protect us from each attack, but are also able to launch a counter-attack. Do not let Satan enter your life by accepting his love as a true love. 
Instead, each Ahmadi should make effort to seek Allah's protection by doing istighfar. You know, in other words, it means repentance. All the, you know, all the time, Allah the exalted is the greatest defense against Satan. Thus, in the world gone astray, one should seek protection from Allah by doing istighfar. Because istighfar is the only way, because, you know, repentance is only is the only way to come under the protection of God Almighty. So, you know, without God's help, without seeking forgiveness from God Almighty, that, you know, knowingly and unknowingly sometimes we make mistakes, right? But when you have God's help, then, you know, God, and you ask for forgiveness for your sins, God will help you to, you know, uh, get rid of any addiction or any bad you know, habit you have. Of course. Now, um, well, we are at the end of uh, our first hour show. Um, I would like to conclude this with a verse, or actually two verses of the Holy Quran from chapter 5, verses 91 and 92, where God Almighty says, O ye who believe, wine and the game of hazard and idols and divining arrows are only an abomination of Satan's handiwork. So shun each one of them that you may prosper. Satan desires only to create enmity and hatred among you by means of wine and the game of hazard and to keep you back from the remembrance of Allah and from the prayer. But will you keep back? Now, from you know today's discussion, we've learned that gambling industries, uh, the solution to uh, you know getting rid of uh, our children getting involved in this is that we need to oh the gambling, gambling industries they need to make their ads and promotions less appealing or not even promote right um so that the younger audience uh, cannot get involved in this and in order for us our children to uh, stay safe from becoming future gamblers uh, we should do as much as possible and Islam has given you the solution that just don't even get involved in that uh, because it is so harmful that it could even lead you to, you know, become homeless or even commit suicide. So it's very, very harmful. Um, we are at the end of the hour. In our next hour, we will be discussing also another topic in regards to children, which will be abusive verbal uh, verbal abuse. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَادْعُوهُ بِهَا يَا الْبَارِ is a word that emulates the whole of the creation of the universe. Allah calls Himself Al-Bari, the originator, the maker, the evolver, on three occasions in the Holy Qur'an. He is the one who creates from out of nothing. He is not merely the first cause, He is the creator, the maker the fashioner, and it is he who exercises control over the universe at all times. Al-Bari, 
creates with no model or similarity, and evolves that which is in perfect proportion and harmony without any fault. God is the Supreme Being who exists independently of everything else. He is the sole creator of the universe, the maker of the heavens and the earth. No event occurs in the universe without God's knowledge and explicit consent. He is the ultimate source of every action and happening, animate or inanimate. God has not only created the galaxies and stars, but also the life forms of this earth. He is the nourisher and sustainer of all creation. He is their Lord, the holy attribute of Allah, Al-Bari captures the creation of the whole of the universe, the quality of creating the universe out of nothingness and then perpetuating it into existence. This wonderful attribute aligns perfectly with the current scientific view about the creation of the universe from the Big Bang and its continuous expansion. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, may Allah be pleased with him, shed light on this concept in his book, Revelation, Rationality, Knowledge and Truth, detailing how the Holy Qur'an is the only divine scripture to speak about the continuous expansion of the universe. He states, It should be remembered that the concept of the continuous expansion of the universe is exclusive to the Qur'an. No other divine scriptures even remotely hint at it. The discovery that the universe is constantly expanding is of prime significance to scientists because it helps create a better understanding of how the universe was initially created. It clearly explains the stage-by-stage -stage process of creation in a manner which perfectly falls into step with the theory of the Big Bang. The Qur'an goes further and describes the entire cycle of the beginning, the end, and the return again to a similar beginning. Highlighting the unique qualities of Allah, it is all the more important to ponder over this attribute while remembering Allah in order to attain His nearness and favor. This divine attribute, Al-Bari, depicts a wonderful view of the creation of the universe that continues to astound the modern man. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. And welcome back to the Drive Time Show on Voice of Islam. Uh, before the break, we were discussing about gambling and how the gambling industry or the gambling advertisement affect uh, our children as well and how that leads a destruction in the the lives of those who get involved in it as well, especially who are, um, you know, uh, who get addicted to this. Now, in this hour, we will be discussing about another 
uh, issue which um, uh, children, also children, um, face, and that is basically the abuse of language or uh, verbal abuse, uh, especially when it comes to uh, parents. Uh, when you know parenting, parents should be very very careful of what sort of language they use with their children because that will affect their children, and that will carry on. Of course, when a parent um, uses abusive language, the child will learn from it, and then they will do the same to their children or the people around them as well. So unfortunately, um, one of the most universal experiences is uh, of a child abuse. And according to Guardian, more children experience childhood verbal abuse than physical or sexual abuse. And the number who encounter it appears to be as high as 40%. And it's not stopping, it's not just um, stuck at 40, but it is also growing day by day. Um, uh, <clears throat> you can see that it, this problem is, is, is facing all the corners of the world. And you will be narrating from stories of childhood abuse in one form or for another, uh, truly, one of the greatest losses in the march towards progress, um, you know, has been the gambling children's safety and their upbringing. But what all is defined as abuse? What are the effects of such abuse? And does Islam say anything about it? Um, join us uh, to discuss about these points in today's discussion of parenting. Uh, anyone who wants to get involved, uh, you can always call us at 020-8687-7878. That's 020-8687-7878. You can also visit our website at Voice of Islam UK and also at our social media platforms. Um, you know, you can search Voice of Islam UK and you'll find us um, there. Um so, uh, Brother Nosh, Nosh Erwan, um well, we are discussing about uh, verbal abuse. What is abuse in, in your uh, yeah. set? What, what do you think abuse is? Yes, it's okay. Just to put it into simple context, um, there are endless forms of um, and in interpretations of childhood abuse. Uh, but there have been some very prevalent forms of abuse among children, especially like here in the West. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in today's age, um, it is not uncommon at all to hear that children being left uh, alone at home for mm -hmm. hours or treated as objects in custody battles between divorcing parents. Um, worse still, many newborn children are either abandoned or killed by desperate parents, which is quite unfortunate. Um, and it's quite a worrying situation, to be honest. Such a society in which such actions are common, they cannot claim to have made much progress from the pre-Islamic days hmm. when Arabs were uh, burying their baby daughters alive. And if we're saying this in the current day and age, that parents are carrying out such abuse, then have we moved further into progress or whether we've taken steps back into, into that era? So according to The Guardian, a new study suggests adult-to-child perpetration of verbal abuse 
is characterized by shouting, yelling, degenerating the child and verbal threats. Yeah. And this is according to The Guardian. So Zakaria is very sad that we do not meet anyone who is unaware of this harsh reality. Mm. And I'm like it's quite worrying as well and all of us have either experienced some of some sort of childhood verbal abuse or know a handful of people who have hmm. and many justify verbal abuse by claiming it is a necessary method in order to discipline children i mean it's it's very shocking to hear such words from the parents you know they don't understand that uh, it is actually harming the child you uh, uh, because children are innocent at first yep. and they become what you uh, teach or treat how you however you treat them so they're very innocent and if you you know explain them in a beautiful way without you know uh you know using any abusive language right then you know they they, they their upbringing will be good and they will treat others uh, the same way as well so th- it has nothing to do with um you know discipline or anything like that because sometimes what would happen is for a very long time and i've seen that with many people right parents use abusive language they're uh, you know very physical to their children etc etc all in the name of discipline but when the children then grow up unfortunately and unfortunately they treat the same way to the, towards their parents yeah. when the parents are not able to do anything back to them because they're adults now they're you know they're big and strong now right and that is very very worrying i mean which parent would actually like their children when they grow up to speak f- to them in the same manner in the same manner or use abusive language or, or curse or use um, harsh words to, to towards you right it's unimaginable right so that's why Islam teaches us that have so much patience and it's addressed to the children uh, um in the holy quran that never ever become angry at your parents and don't even say off off is basically you know when you're tired of something like <sighs> that's yeah. off right maybe in some languages or some you know some cultures they would say off i'm tired of you even saying these words are not allowed in islam to your parents but then for the parents as well uh, the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace and blessings of allah upon him has given guidance that you know it's not just for children to respect the elderly but the elderly should respect the same way to the children so if uh, it's normal of course you know parents they never get tired or they might get tired but you know children would ask the same silly question over and over again but parents have lots of lots of patience they would answer lots of questions to the, to the children or they will be doing stuff that uh, you know would annoy the parents but the patience the amount of patience parents have especially mothers is um, unimaginable yeah. so therefore children should also have patience towards their parents but this is a, a, a both way thing Yeah. If the parent treat the children in the best way possible, the same way the children would, you know, learn from it and when you are at an age when uh, you are in need, your children would never ever use any sort of 
language that you never used, right? Yeah. Hopefully, because the society could also be uh, a, a play a role as well. So even if the parents, let's say, are abusive and not good, and uh, you know, teach them good language, but they learn bad language from outside, that's also something which is worrying as well. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's not about. Uh, we're not talking about children that have already at the age of let's say ten, twelve, and they they're coming into an understanding of um, the world itself. We're talking about right from a young age. Um, we haven't specified um, a number of age or how old these children are yep. that this verbal abuse starts. <clears throat> but it's just that when a child feels respected by his parents. Um, and he sees his parents giving this respect. He feels that okay, I I need to treat them in the same way, hmm. and that should start from a very early age. And you know, some may argue that um, maybe shouting or yelling or scolding their children um, is a form of discipline. Hmm. Then they need to like question themselves because would would they want their children to do that in in the future? Of course um, not. And of course, obviously, we look at the teachings of Islam and what Islam teaches. And the primary solution of disciplining one child is supplication in front of the Almighty God. That's the fundamental, that's the beginning, that's the first step. Mm-hmm. To discipline your child, you need to pray to God Almighty and seek his help because parenting is not an easy, cha- easy task Definitely or it's an easy job. <laughs> and we see that in multiple verses of the Holy Quran, God Almighty instructs us not to not only pray for our children, but also teaches us specific prayers for our children and offspring as a whole. And in chapter 3, verse 39, God Almighty teaches us to pray for a pure offspring with the following prayer. My Lord, grant me pure offspring from thyself. And a similar prayer is taught in chapter 25, verse 75. Our Lord, grant us of our spouses and children the delight of our eyes and make us a model for the righteous. Mm-hmm. So, as Islam is a very precautionary religion, we are asked constantly to pray for a pure and delightful offspring yeah. very early on. Obviously, we'll, we'll delve um, deeper into that and what the Islamic teachings are in, in, in regards to uh, disciplining your children and how you should behave with them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but before that, uh, we have our first guest for this hour, Patricia Davis, uh, who is a blogger, a family educator, a mother of four, uh, she has a master's degree in family studies and loves talking about ways to improve relationships with the people you love. Uh, she believes in the power of time spent together. Uh, she promotes family togetherness on her website as well, which is um, uh, amor- a marvelous family altogether.com and on her Facebook page a marvelous family with this intro I would like to welcome um, Patricia assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and welcome to the drive time show thank you thank you for having me thank you very much Patricia for uh, joining us today um, Patricia uh, could you uh, you know you, you mentioned uh, showing love to your child, your child as a factor of building connections. Uh, could you please elaborate on this, please? Yeah, of course. I I think that showing love and interest is important in any relationship you have, especially with your children. Um, sometimes as parents, we get 
very focused on day-to-day living. And so it's easy to get into this routine with the children where we, you know, we're checking, oh, did you wear clean socks today? Or have you brushed your teeth? Um, Did you do your homework? And I think we get caught up in that day routine yet that our, our kids need us to show love to them. Um, just like any friendship or relationship with a significant other, other you might show that to those people, but we need to do that with kids too. And I think the good news is that our kids are masters of showing love. Um, they naturally show love all the time um, to us as parents. Um, my kids draw me pictures. They hold my hands um, and write me notes and leave on my and spend time with me and I just think that's kind of the natural state of children and and so as we pay attention um, to what they do we can see how they love and how they show love and we can reciprocate that so for, for example my dog loves to write me notes and leave them on my pillow and and when I do that in return she feels very loved and she feels um, seen by me and so um that showing love in in powerful ways with our kids when we take time beyond the day to day life to to love them. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you please? You also believe that we should spend time with with our children as well. Um, so could you please touch on the importance of taking out some time for our children, uh, such as putting our phones down. Uh, when we're around them or anything like that or any electronics or actually spending quality time without actually getting involved um, or, or involving electronics, you could say. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I, I heard recently that children today see the back of their parents' phones more than they see their eyes. And this is the first time in the history of the world where our kids are missing out on everyday conversations and connections with us because we are distracted with our friends. We are so distracted with electronics. Um, if we bring that idea back to well, your friendship, if you have a friend or your spouse, um, you might be a little irritated or frustrated with them if you were trying to talk to a friend at lunch and they were playing a game on their phone. Or if you were trying to tell your spouse something important to you and they were scrolling, you know, social media. Um, and that would be very frustrating. But we, I think we, as parents, tend to do that with our kids without realizing it because we're with them a lot. Um, well, the different part is that we need our friends. They're important to us. We've got emails and banking information and whatever else on them. Um, but I, I think it would be intentional time away from that and and especially in regards to children so practice that I've put in for myself now is um, you take a time out from my phone every morning so I know that the early mornings are a very busy time for my kids as we prepare them to go to school and to get ready for the day and so I have a goal not my phone or, or you know look at my phone and they're on the bus they have left for the day and and we've all kind of done our our morning routine 
Mm. Um, and I, I try to do the same thing after school or any other times when my children need me to be present with them because it's, I, if I'm putting it in a contest between like my kids and my phone and I allow myself to have those electronics, then I'm distracted and I'm as good of a parent as I want to be either because I become irritated with them if they're, if I'm trying to read something in a, an important email and they're, you know, mom, 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 <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be the mother and so I become irritated or frustrated with them um, and so I just I've found for me if I just have a time out from that so that they get my attention and that they get what they need from me um, our, our whole day goes better hmm. wonderful um, uh, what is the significance of encouraging a child's wants and needs and uh, how can we set a balance between this and ensuring their safety yeah, well, I think all all of us, all humans, all people, we need we have needs. You know, we need sleep and food and love and excitement and connection. Um, now, <clears throat> sometimes it's hard to for those needs, right? Sometimes, like if, if our child is hungry, that's easy to say, "Oh, well, you're hungry. Let me feed you." Um, but other times, our children do things. We have to think about it a little bit. So, um, for example, one of my sons, he loves to climb. And um, he's always climbing a tree or, you know, um, anything he can, the ground. And when he was four, he decided that he was going to try to skydive. And so he strapped a reusable grocery bag onto his back and put on swim goggles and he was going to climb story home off so that he could skydive. Um, now as a parent, you know, I can't let him do that and my husband and I we couldn't allow that to happen. Um, but as we as he thought about what he was trying to do and what he needed in that moment is he needed fun. He needed to feel like he was accomplished. He needed to to be excited about something and and there are other ways that we can help him fill those needs. And so, you know, we can help him letting him in the tree or take him to the ground or the a rock climbing gym or even just get on the floor and play with him, right? Um, and so as parents, we can't always let our kids have their way, but uh, it is, it's got to protect them. But as we pick the time to really think about, like, what need what desire is at the root of their behavior, um, then you can try to find ways to fill their needs other ways that are maybe less interesting, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's many like things. Obviously, it's, it's great to spend um, quality time with your children and your family, um, let's say, whether it's in the morning, after school, etc. But mm-hmm. specifically talking about um, reading to your child, can you tell us the benefits of that? Um, there are so many benefits to reading to your, your child. Um, reading can help with language development, uh, their vocabulary, critical thinking skills, um, their listening and attention span. Um, so the things that I love as a parent about reading to my kids first is that reading uh, allows you to introduce difficult topics in an easier way. So. Um, there's a lot of difficult conversations that we as parents have to have with yeah. our kids that could be in 
topics like death or adoption or sex or drugs or, you know, um, disabilities. And those conversations are easier when you can find a book to introduce that with you. And there are picture books about, honestly, about everything. Yeah. Um, And and so being able to do that through a book is very useful because it opens the door and creates a conversation. But um, the other thing that I love about reading my kids is that it is incredibly uh, important for bonding with within your relationship with your child. Um, I have another son who is not very affectionate and he never has been, even when he was younger. Um, but even on like his, his worst days, I can get him to come and sit and read a book with me. And he might like sit down and be very like, straight backed and maybe like a little offish. As we read, we can become first in a story together. He will kind of snuggle in and then it, it becomes a talking point and we can talk about something. And we, so we're there together and we have some connection of a story. And so I, and reading has improved my relationship with all of my children in in very beneficial ways. That's really wonderful to hear. And just lastly, Patricia, could you please highlight the significance of leading by example for your child? I think uh, that most hope that their kids will will be better and have a better life, progress, you know. Than, than what you have had. Um, we hope to kind of prop our kids up to do better. Um, and that does happen, I think, in a lot of ways. But truthfully, if, if we're honest with ourselves, in the majority of cases, our kids become who we are. Yeah. So if you're a kind and respectful person, a helpful person, your kids will become too. If you love God, your kids will too. If you care about education, so will your so will your children. Um, same thing with your taking care of your health or any other thing. Um, your kids will become that. So I guess my best advice to any parent would be aim to become what you want your to become. You know, don't put that pressure on them to rise above you. Put that on put that pressure on yourself to rise up, and then your children will follow you. Great advice, Patricia, and uh, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you. Thank you. Dear listeners, that was Patricia Davis, who is a blogger, family educator and mother of four and has a master's degree in family studies. And Zakaria, really insightful and very um, great words that she mentioned, specifically really at the end, that do not expect your children to rise above you. Rise yourself, like improve yourself, mm. and um, that way your children would also want to be what you are. Definitely. If you want your children to become a a copy of you or want to uh, develop the same characteristics as you, you need to develop them within yourself first. Yep. And of course, uh, being a model for children is very important. Exactly, because you know the, the first person that they learn from is the parents. And if you are not the model for them, if you're the wrong, if you're giving the wrong, um, uh, you know, things. To yeah, them. and you know, we were talking about gambling, right? Yeah. If the if the parent themselves are involved in this action, sort of it's most likely what the studies showed that the, the child would also develop that habit in the future. Yeah. So if you want, 
your child to be religious, mm. um, follow God, follow the teachings of your religion, yeah. um, be kind, loving, uh, compassionate. Yeah. You need to first, as parents, develop the, all those habits within yourself. Um, and it's, um, it's, I saw um, there was a there was a post um, I think a year two years ago um, that it was in it was in China I believe and what it showed was that a a mother in, in the train um, was reading a book mm-hmm. and right next to her her kid must have been at the age of two or three he also had a book open <laughs> and he was reading next to her right right so that is what he developed or got from her mother or father yeah and you can see that it's following that trend is following within their children. True. So if you want your children to be um, the best version of this themselves is is how you portray yourselves in front of them. Exactly, exactly. Now, Islam is a very precautionary religion. We are asked to constantly pray um, for a pure and delightful offspring uh, from a very uh, early time even when before the child is born. Uh, this could pose a solution to many of the problems the parents face you know, in the society today. Having a pure and blessed offspring can, easily, uh, can, can, can ease many of the parenting challenges faced in the society, um, potentially eradicating all forms of childhood verbal abuse in, in the society. And of course, uh, parents they they must focus on fixing themselves like you said primarily in order to be able uh, to not only help their children but also in order to discipline their children now um, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community you know he gave a very beautiful example how uh, his mother used to you know uh, teach um, and he says that um, uh, that he actually he learned to regularly in the, the daily prayers because his mother insisted on observing the daily prayers um, on time in congregation and in the mosque in his early childhood you know she had him lifted off his bed and put on the water if he did not wake up for the Salat al-Fajr, which is the first prayer of the day. You know, as, as you know that Muslims, they pray, uh, you know, the five daily prayers. And this is the first one. So uh, the first thing uh, of the day would be, um, you know, praying the first prayer, which is Salat or the prayer of Fajr. Um, well, you know, why do you think it's a, Muslims or Muslim parents emphasize on prayers so much especially the, the, the physical prayer that we do, the Salat or the, uh, the, the five daily prayers I mean it's, it's because um, you know the, the, if you have truly true trust in God Almighty and pray is something that leads you to the trust and communication with God that ensures that God exists because through prayers, you know, as Ahmadi Muslims, we believe that God is a living God. And when you pray to God, he listens, but not only listens, but also answers your prayers. So when you truly believe that he exists through your prayers and when he communicates with you, you will also listen what, you know, instructions God Almighty has given to us for to live a pious 
uh, a sinless uh, life. So there's, therefore, you know, we as Muslims, we focus on prayer a lot. So we recognize God Almighty and um, we, uh, uh, when we recognize, we truly have, uh, we love God Almighty so much so that we then try to follow his instructions given by, by the Holy Quran, right? So if the parents, they are uh, set an example of observing the prayers themselves, then automatically the children, they will follow, right? Yeah. Um, now, according to The Guardian, a recent UK study showed that those who had been verbally abused were almost twice as likely, uh, which is 19.9%, as those who had not. And 10.8% is, uh, you know, uh, to, use, to have used cannabis. So... Um, similarly, you know, they at almost double the risk of ending up in jail than those who had not. Um, not only does childhood verbal impact the lifestyle choices made by the abused, it also greatly impacts the mental health. Um, it's, a, it's a huge problem as well that when the parents, they use abusive language, lots of the children, they go into mental health and uh, this mental health uh, leads a destruction or a of of their future of life you know maybe they cannot exceed in whatever they they want to be or what they have could be in their lives because their their parents they you know instead of motivating them used abusive language isn't it um according to a, a different study those with a history of childhood adversity have not only um, an early age of onset, but also a more difficult cause of bipolar disorder and more associated medical uh, comorbidities. When the abuse faced by individuals is present at such great rates across the world, its impact in our daily lives and society are impossible to ignore and for it to be considered negligible. Now, um, just to look at the Islamic response to abuse, what is uh, what does Islam say uh, for abuse or any and especially using abusive language? Yeah, so Zakaria, um, Islam's stance um, using strong language it's it's um, it's clear, very clear mm -hmm. that. Um, Contrary to the poorly interpreted beliefs of many Muslims, Islam takes a very strong stance against verbal abuse. So yeah. Islam, um, we shouldn't be doing that. And as Muslims, we shouldn't be carrying out that practice. Mm -hmm. How do we get to this? There's obviously, we look at the teachings of the Quran and the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Mm -hmm. So in the Holy Quran, God Almighty states, and slay not your children for fear of poverty. Yep. It is we who provide for you and them. This is from chapter 6, verse yeah. 152. So this verse has been interpreted to mean the slaying of both born and unborn children. Mm -hmm. Then we have a narration of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him. He is narrated to have said, Do not curse a child, for when you curse, angels add, let it be like that, and like that it becomes. Wow. Address a child politely and courageously. For a child is a great mimic. If you address it rudely, 
it will return the uh, compliment in kind. Do not lie to a child, nor be peevish or arrogant with it. It will certainly imitate you. Hmm. So not only does this beautiful saying, it emphasizes kindness and empathy towards one children, it also emphasizes honesty towards a child because a child follows what he or she witnesses. Hmm. We've touched upon this before as well, that the parents hmm. should become... Uh, an example, a model for their children or an, an image of what they want their child to become. Yeah. And within this narration, there's there's a few points. Um, yeah, addressing your child uh, politely um, because a child copies what you do. Hmm. Um, do not address the child rudely um, or in, in, a, in a manner which is uh, abusive because then that will return upon you. Yeah. Uh, rather, you should be opposite, be kind to them. Hmm. And also not to lie or be arrogant because then again, the child is going to mimic what you are um, showing. Yeah, sometimes uh, parents do lie for the smallest of the reasons. For example, a child is crying for something that is already at home, for example. For example, a chocolate bar. They know that you know, parents bought this. Uh, it's, it's somewhere in the, the cupboard. Um but the ch- child is crying over and over again. The parents know that it's harmful, but you know some some people would just just ignore or maybe just they would just lie that okay it's finished we don't have any, hmm. right? Even that could be uh, harmful for children because sometimes they notice everything at, at home. Yeah, and when they realize that parents are lying, hmm. in future they will be lying as well. Yeah, and it's not only um, to the child; it could also be the case that the parents are the mother and the father are. Are saying lies to each other, oh, yeah. that and the child is picking this up that yeah. the, the mother has said a lie to mm. the father, even though the child may have seen what the truth is. Would that be considered as a abusive language as well? Then? Not towards the, the child, um, but also in another way, they they're learning something. Bad. Yeah, so they're learning negative, negative, and uh, picking up lies. And obviously, lies, yeah. in the future, they might think that it's a, it's a practice, and we mm. can also um, to save yourself, you can carry on this practice mm, true um, 